Hello and welcome to Founders Unplugged. I am your host, Greg McCallum, also known as the Pay As You Scale Commercial Advisor. Before we start, just wanted to let you know all these conversations are completely voluntary by the founders who are involved. So please give them some love. They're, they're very busy individuals and they're taking up to two hours out of their day to come and sit and chat with me about themselves, about their businesses and about all other kinds of stuff. Look in the uh, description uh, on whatever platform you're watching this and you will find links to them for their LinkedIn profiles and also the projects and the startups they're working on. So do go and check those out. And while you're at it, maybe give me a bit of love too. Um, I do this as something on the side to my main business. I run a company called ThinkWork. Um, and so if you're looking for any advice, I also do free uh, commercial advice um, for those for up to one hour. That job allows me to do this. Thank you so much. Uh, enjoy the episode. Please do um, show love and appreciation for them. And of course, for this episode, if you enjoy it, like it, subscribe, share. Without further ado, I've talked long enough. Enjoy the episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Founders Unplugged, hosted by Greg McCallum. Here he is, Greg. Here he is. How are you doing? All good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Hector. How are you? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Sorry, sorry it took us a bit of time to get this done. Yeah, Where we finally made it. We finally <laughs> made it. And and for this, just in time for the season finale of the of the series as well. So, Love yeah, it. you're you're the the final one until I go on a bit of a break and then come back for season two. So, thank you so been? much. No, yeah, really, yeah, really good, really surprising. You know, well, I mean, yeah, warm reception from people who are listening yeah. online and stuff. So, yeah, it's it's been great. Um, and I mean, you know, as you'll find out in the next hour, I. I love a good chat, so I just enjoy it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like a, my hobby turned into my job, so I'm, I'm happy with it, yeah. yeah. And uh, and can I just say, I wanted to say this since the day I, I come across you, I'm, I'm a huge fan of you mostly, um, aside from all of your achievements with Unplugged and everything, which we'll get to, mostly because of your name being Hector Hughes. It sounds like a superhero name, and I'm a big Excellent. fan of that. That's very kind. You're the first person who's mentioned superhero, so I'll, I'll take it. It's got, it's got to be pointed out. So, uh, so yeah, so tell me what's been going on with you. How you been? Yeah, good, man. Uh, lots of, you know, you, you know what it's like. Startup life, lots of um, lots of exciting things happening. But, yeah, you know, it keeps me busy for sure. So, uh, yeah, we've got some, got some good things in the pipe. It feels like momentum's building. You know, we've been doing this for three years now, and it's, uh, it's a long slog. But it mm. uh, feels, like, feels like we're just getting started. So I think, um, yeah, lots of good things coming together. But, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's fantastic to hear. And I've been obviously sort of watching on the sidelines and cheering you on and seeing all the great stuff that's happening, which we'll delve into. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I know we haven't got a huge amount of time. We've only got an hour. Normally we do these for two. So let's make the most of the time, right? My glasses have come on, so you know it's getting serious. Um, just to give you a heads up, I do have a, I'm still recovering from a bit of a cold. So if I occasionally mute the mic and sneeze and cough, then please forgive okay. me. But um, yeah, it's still doing its thing. Um, so look, what I like to do in these things, I don't know if you've seen any episodes of this yet, but um, what I generally like to do, the only literal bit of, of, of structure to this entire thing is just um, introduce yourself and tell tell everyone a bit about your business. For sure, for sure. Ready to kick off? Yeah, go for it. We already started recording. This is just oh, like... This, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Is great stuff. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much for having me, Greg. I am Hector Hughes, and I'm one of the co-founders of Unplugged. Unplugged is a startup that provides digital detoxes at beautiful off-grid cabins in the English countryside. So we're launched about three years ago now, currently at 20 cabins, and yeah, big plans to, to keep growing that. 
Awesome. And what I normally do, which I keep forgetting to do, is while you're talking, show, share my screen and, and show your profile on website. So apologies. Uh, but yeah, so this is this is you and this is where people can find you, which is uh, fantastic on LinkedIn. And then, yeah, so tell, tell me a bit about like what brought on this idea, because it's a fantastic concept and one that we connected over when, when um, obviously, how we connected on LinkedIn was it was about this. I think it was about post in relation to this. So how did it come about? Take me back to three years or, you know, even even further if you need to. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so like you, kind of uh, working at a tech startup, joined it out of university. I was the second employee on the commercial side, and my co-founder Ben was the first employee. So, so we met there, mm. and it was iPad tier systems. So quite, quite random, um, you know, given what we're doing now. But yeah, did the whole high growth international expansion, launched offices in the U.S. and Australia, and then I just started to get a bit, I think, dissatisfied with with life a few years ago. You know, I was flying around the office to set up, uh, flying around the world to set up these offices. Was spending all day on my phone, just kind of, I guess, stuck in that 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 busy life. You know, living the the kind of classic London life. And at the recommendation recommendation of a friend, I ended up a silent retreat in the Himalayas in September 2019. Oh, awesome! And that was yeah, that was at this this Buddhist temple on top of a mountain. And the best thing about that is when you get there, they take your phone off you, and you just mm. spend ten days cut off from the outside world. So very cliche, but I came back from that and quit my job a week later. That was off the back of a conversation with, with Ben, my co-founder. He is, he's not the kind of guy you'd find at Silent Retreat anytime soon. Right. Very skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> and we spoke about how there's a lot of stigma around like retreats and meditation. Mm. And so much of the benefit is just getting people offline into nature. Yeah. So I'd heard about, you know, cabins before as a, as a concept, as a, as a thing. And just thought that worked really well here. Cause I think the, let's call it the digital detox space is a bit faddy in many ways when, when we um, got started. And I think what cabins do is they bring, for lack of a better phrase, some kind of sex appeal to proceedings. Mm -hmm. Kind of like Tesla, if you really want to affect change, you need to make it sexy. So yeah, there were a few kind of cabin concepts going on worldwide. And we just thought we would take that and actually, actually get people to lock away their phones. You know? So people mm -hmm. come for three nights, upon arrival, they lock away their phones. We give them a map and Nokia lead them to it so we position somewhere between retreat and accommodation but you obviously don't need to fly halfway around the world mm -hmm. yeah and, and it's yeah not everyone um that that sort of himalayan trip that, that not everyone appeals that that doesn't appeal to everyone right exactly. because there's a sort of element of that which is uh but even the, the meditation side of things doesn't appeal to everyone everyone has different sure. ways of unplugging um so it's 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 a, a more frictionless version of that i suppose isn't it yeah, and yeah. even when i was kind of contemplated whether to go and do this retreat. I was thinking to myself, I can't go and do a Buddhist retreat. You know? Oh, so you've not done something like that before? I hadn't done something. Yeah, I've right. been kind of getting into meditation. So I started something called Transcendental Meditation, which is 20 minutes twice a day, and, and that really stuck. So mm. was starting along that. But I still, you know, I, I did just just kind of, there's just, there is just that stigma around it. Yeah. And I was like, you know, what were the guys at work think? All these kind of things. And, mm. you know, it all seems silly in hindsight, but. Well, especially in the sales culture being what it is, a bit of a yeah. culture, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah and, and you do you even get taken the make out just for for taking a break <laughs> let, <laughs> let alone like doing that as well right so right, yeah yeah that's interesting so so you had a bit of a revelation then so it must be some really bloody good meditation to have that revelation to just go right i need to quit my job <laughs> yeah i tell you what it's a, it's a real roller coaster I've, I've spoken to a few people who have done various retreats since and there mm -hmm. is this bit of a thing of like you kind of need you know it it, it very much depends where you are in your life as well. So two mm. people can do exactly the same experience, and for one of them it could be life changing, for the other it could not do so much. Um, so I think that was just that perfect moment in time where it was exactly what I needed. Mm. And what it was is, you know, up until that point, I think I think I was 
you know, just really, I've always been a bit of a people pleaser and I, I really was kind of not living life on my terms, I think, in, in hindsight. Just like going along with whatever, like going to nights out I didn't really want to go to. Mm. Um, just, just, just like busy, you know, feeling like I needed to do that so I was somehow behind. And the biggest thing I learned on the retreat, I mean, many things, but one of them was the, this, the Buddhist idea of attachment, which is that I need this to be happy. So you know, when I heard that, I was just like, oh, that explains everything. It explains why I'm here. You know, yeah. like, I need to go and do a silent retreat. Um, and yeah, you, you assign importance to other things, essentially. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you just think that achieving that goal is going to bring you happiness. You know, mm -hmm. like if I get a promotion at work, if I buy this car, you know, and you get there and it's like, you know, you, you hear from founders that, so some of them, the worst day of their lives is the day they sell the company because they, they mm. think they're going to have this euphoric feeling when you get the big payday, and then it's like, well, well now what? Because you've removed some. Yeah, so I think I think yeah. it needs to be intrinsically motivated, and it's much healthier to be playing playing to to win because then you win, then then what? You know? Yeah, you're absolutely right, and and yeah, I I, I know some small amounts of things to do with the Buddhist mindset and philosophies, but. I think I understand this one is, you know, the, the idea that if you assign happiness or the, the, the achievement of happiness to certain goals or objects around you, then you're missing a very important point, which is ultimately the person or the thing that creates happiness is ourselves. It's our own manifestation. It's something that we do inside our minds. It's, it's not, there's nothing external creating that happiness. It happens here between our eyes. So it's like you're, you're, you're giving someone else or something else that power when it's ultimately always been up to you, right? 100%. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think it's, it's about taking away rather than adding, right? We think like we need yeah. to add this thing. But actually, it's just like, you know, we all have the conditions inside of us to be happy, mm. like humans are not built to be unhappy to be stressed all the time to be anxious um but that's very much from all the things that are put on in our life you know like the stress at work you know all, all of the people problems like whatever it might be so it's actually by removing the things that make you unhappy uh that we have a much better chance of, of kind of getting to that place of calm obviously that's that's very complicated and mm. examples the more extreme examples people going through uh, mental health issues etc but you know I, I think generally we have this attitude of we need to add things, whereas it's much healthier to, to take things away. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So, so how has the reception gone? Like since you launched, um, like you said, things have been progressing, and you really feel like you're in, entering a bit of a new stage. I know there's a lot of stuff that's happened around uh, the brew dog competition, things like that, which I'm sure we'll get to. But like, yeah, just tell me about that. Like, how did it, when you say it started three years ago? Did you did you like fully launch three years ago with what was it like one cabin maybe, or like how did that come about exactly? Yeah, for sure. So we, we started working on it about three and a half years ago and, and got the first cabin up uh, about three years ago. So right. that was just after the first lockdown. So again, we just thought we'd order a cabin, you know, and, and then you kind of have to figure everything else out. So order yeah. the cabin and then have to get the money, get the, someone to put it, all of these kind of things. And I actually got very lucky with the timings. We launched just after the first lockdown. And people have just spent three months you know, locked in a flat in London, effectively. So got a ton the first, like, well, I mean, still, still to this day, actually, we, we get a ton of like, inbound because I think it is just quite a timely, um, mm -hmm. timely concept, really. So and that's no genius of ours just landed on the right thing at the right time. So, so that definitely feels like... Well, it's, it's because it's a product of, of, you know, you were the customer and you were like, this thing doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it makes sense because, you know, you're a product of uh, our, your environment just as everyone else is. So, you, yeah, part of the same philosophy, same movement, right? For sure, for sure. And it feels like we're, we're super early in something that's only going to get bigger, you know? Like we're only going to yeah. get more connected spend more time online that brings a lot of great things but it brings a lot of issues as well and mm. so, so there's there's going to be a growing demand 
you know, I think offline is going to become the new luxury in many ways. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's such a rarity these days. Especially now people's offices, have, their homes have become their offices sure. too. Like the need to escape that is probably, you know, is, is increased significantly as well. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And just that, you know, we're doing more kind of knowledge work these days. So it is just hard to like leave work, uh, mm. leave work in the office. And you say the office is now your bedroom. So um, it's complicated now and it is tricky. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. For, so first, first cabin and then, uh, yeah, good reception. And then sort of where did it go from there? Yeah. Lots of bumps along the way. So we screwed up so many things with that first cabin as as you always do <laughs> and the second right. and the third and the fourth but no we like for example the the solar we launched in july and our solar power wasn't working in july so obviously come the winter we had some serious issues so you know, just all these things you can the only way yeah. you can learn is by getting stuck in and, and making the mistakes so a steep learning curve we were kind of in and out of lockdowns for that first year um probably about nine months after the first one we managed to get another couple of them running did, did some fundraising uh, and then just been growing from there really so yeah three years later we're at 20 now started to kind of spread out across the uk so we launched uh three up near manchester north wales we launched at bristol shortly look at edinburgh later this year so really starting to kind of um open up these other cities i think we've yeah. got the, the bulk of them around london and, and just just start to add you know we're getting a lot of feedback now from our customers in terms of what people are looking for and i think a lot of people buy into the brand and engage with the brand so what else can we do from them and you know, maybe they've come and stay in a few of the ones near London they want to get a bit further afield now and mm. do something a bit so so yeah it's starting to get really interesting in terms of that and, and just some of the opportunities coming through are, are super exciting yeah and will it always be like pretty much each um cabin a pretty much identical replica of one another or will there be slight variations to those in future do you imagine yeah I mean it's a kind of iterative process you're always looking at tr testing things with each new cabin like how can we improve what we're doing I think there's diminishing returns in terms of going crazy with the design so you yeah know, you start putting turrets on it etc um but you always want to be you know, playing around adding a bit of variety i think it's interesting for people come to stay as well if there's a bit of difference we're still maintaining mm -hmm. that brand look and feel uh and then you know we, we don't need to just be doing cabins forever like that there might be alternate accom accommodation and you know as long as we can maintain the mission which is really about digital detoxes in nature cabins are great mm -hmm. because you know they're really they're cool they they kind of uh make it very tangible for people um, yeah. but yeah kind of see ourselves as a digital detox brand rather than a cabin brand mm. yeah well that makes sense um yeah because uh, we, we've actually booked so i'm on annual leave next week uh like i mentioned and we've booked in a like a log cabin type of, it's more of a barn conversion thing yes. and we did i originally mentioned to to my wife Anna, i was like oh, you know i really want to do this when i want to try one of these <laughs> you know and um and we looked at it but obviously we have uh, a six-month-old, a eight-year-old, and a German shepherd, and so <laughs> so we were looking at it like I don't think this is going to work practically, but like because <laughs> it needs we need a field for him to run around in that's gated. Uh, we need multiple beds and like all that kind of thing. But I was like, do you know what? For me and you, we're hundred percent, and we are. We we already said we, we're definitely going to do one of these when yeah, sure. you know we can get you know the grandparents to take care of things. We're just going to do because I think it's a very important thing. Um, so yeah, that's that would be my only request. Uh, dog dog and kid friendly if you're gonna do yeah we're definitely dog friendly we're, we're actually named the cabins after dogs to come stay what's the dog called right okay what, what, what's your dog called oh my dog uh merlin merlin that'd be great yeah. for a cabin so we'll have to get merlin to stay at some point oh, with or without you yeah, yeah. Without you. We'll get <laughs> uh, and then yeah interestingly kids toddlers are probably our most requested thing at the moment so yeah. a hot topic of turn so watch the space yeah, because it's one of those. And the thing is, like, we're actually following the detox idea with this trip anyway. And so we've sat down with us uh, with our son and said, like, 
um, you know, we're, 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 yeah, we're bringing our devices, but we're not using them like this. The, we're not going to be watching TV, anything like that. it's board games, it's books, it's card games. It's, you know, um, and we made it very clear. The idea is because we work all day, you know, my wife and I on these devices, because you play on them, you know, your PlayStation every now and then and things like that. It's good to have a break from these things. We've tried to educate them on the benefits of that. So I think it's a good thing to introduce to children early on who are shoved in these things a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like we've, as adults, we've had to learn that ourselves and it's a difficult habit to break. So what, you know, we should be trying to, I think, give that, uh, you know, the kids a bit of a heads up on that uh, as soon as possible. So yeah, uh, we, we, we've kind of found that it's a momentum thing. Some of the criticism we got at the start was like, oh, you can't change your habits in three days. No, it's not about that. It's about no. a lot of people who come and stay with us probably haven't spent a day off their phone in the last decade, right? right. Especially, you know, especially kids, et cetera. And, mm. uh, by doing that, you realize the world is an end. You know, yep. you, you access this sense of calm that you might not have felt for years because we're so overstimulated all the time. And so what, what we found is that by getting people to see that and to open their eyes, then they start to crave those experiences, whether it's with us or elsewhere. You know? mm. So I, I would love it if people come and stay with us and then the next holiday that's not with us, that they'll leave their phones behind as well. And then maybe they want to come and you know, experience something with us again. But it's uh yeah for us it's just about like moving society in that direction mm -hmm. because i think the future is much more malleable than we think and yeah we have a really good opportunity to do it now i think timing's right the, the positioning's right so yeah we just want to go for it yeah 100 percent. i agree with you the future is a lot more malleable than people think like, there's a lot of doom and gloom around the, about technology and people becoming reliant on it and i i don't buy into that i think you know we're a very resilient adaptable species and mm -hmm. you know when you look at to the future with anything once something's been introduced we adapt to it and we find solutions to it this is a great example of that and if we look forward to the future you know we'll probably have a ton of programs a ton of solutions to 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 mitigate any overindulgence in in the digital realm like you know it's not it's not as big a deal as i think people make it out to be the next generations are going to be far smarter than we are about these things because that's what happens with every generation they get smarter you know yeah, um, yeah. i don't know i'm a glass half full kind of guy I no I, I completely agree and i think you, you see i think you know this basically happened anytime there's a technological change you know, like yeah. newspapers even the written word uh and so it's definitely not unprecedented and you know we're just and society is different afterwards but uh pros mm. and cons and someone told me the other day i don't know i haven't fact checked them but that you know, it took uh 30 years after cars were invented for seatbelts to come along you know and it's, it's kind of like that where exactly yeah we figure it out we figure it out over time maybe it is going spending I mean, obviously that, that, that's a really great example you know cars because yeah you're you know that invent that that device essentially that that um innovation came about before roads before you know that that thing was there before there was you know the, the um you know having to, to pass a license or a theory test or like you said seatbelts there were no safeties you know there were no road signs like that we're as a society figured that out we're we're not very good at you know sitting down and, and imagining what the problems are going to be and and putting an infrastructure in place in order to avoid the catastrophes we're very good at doing things retroactively you know yeah and and that's and that's not a bad thing like it would be great if we could mitigate disaster and, and suffering and death ahead of time but you know no one's got a crystal ball so it's just like but we, we do get there it just takes us a little while <laughs> you know yeah 100 percent. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very long on human ingenuity i think you know there's a yeah. lot you can take holes in but like it's crazy you know if you think about the progress we've made progress you know you, you can there's mm. a hot topic about whether it's good or bad but like you know so much has changed in the last few years but the yeah. special decades and, and centuries and, and like obviously stuff's going to break it's like it's like a startup you know if, if you're growing fast then stuff breaks and yeah. uh and so i i am 
uh, definitely long on us figuring it out. I think uh, maybe it'll mess with the climate, AI, all these things. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I'm backing us. Yeah, likewise. I'm glad to hear a like-minded, positive individual like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't know what you don't know, right? And that's okay. That's the that's the yeah, same. yeah. So um, with um, Brewdog, tell me about that. Yeah, so I mean that was that was we didn't actually get that name. So that was a, a thing James Watt, the Brewdog founder, was running, which was mm. I think he uh, basically didn't get funding from Dragon's Den in the early days of Brewdog. So he wanted to launch like a new concept to replace that, or, or you know, to improve on on that model. Uh, so he, he ran a competition called the Next Unicorn, which was you know, anyone um, to be the next British unicorn. We applied to that. I think out of 750 got through to the last 20 and then that was to go and pitch him at his massive penthouse in Southwark, which was a fun experience we went mm. and did that and then he flew five startups out to vegas to, so they got the biggest brew dog there and uh, and invested a bit in all of them and, and then ran a competition with crowdcube so we we sadly didn't make that last five but fun experience anyway yeah but to get to the last 20 that's you know that's that's nothing to be sniffed at you know, for sure, but, for sure. You know, yeah. sounds like you're downplaying it a bit. I think that's uh, <laughs> that's something to be really proud of, and and undoubtedly sure. would have you know probably given everything a bit of a boost in terms of you know from a PR perspective and and all that. Did you see a, a significant sort of increase in attention around that sort of time? Yeah, it's a good like halo effect as well. You know, like we had mm. we had a bunch of other um, investors getting in touch around the same times. So it does mm. rise the tide, and I think you know we have a lot of other interesting things on on that side of things, like the PR side of things going on in the background it really helps there is just this like again we're bombarded with information these days so yeah. you, you just kind of have this like subconscious image of a brand and when you see these little snippets of like oh they're doing this and this and this uh then it adds up and it, it kind of validates um the brand in, in your mind so i think yeah i think i think we've done on well, credit to people other than me and the team but we, we've done a great job in that in the last year like definitely feel like there is a strong brand now which which makes everything else possible. So I, I think we've laid the road well. Now, um, so, sorry, just while I'm remembering it, because I was meant to ask you this a minute ago, um, and then we can maybe come back to that. With uh, now that you're a CEO of a startup, could you do a three-day uh, digital detox? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I yeah? Think, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. You wouldn't be sat there pulling your hair out, wondering what's going on with the company and. No, I oh, think just just check my email. Like <laughs> it's hard, right? Like, right now, I'm like, oh my god, I'm too busy to do one. I'm like, right, I need to do one. I'm too busy to do. But but I know from doing it in the past that that's not true. Like it's a fallacy. You know, anyone who thinks they're too busy to take three days off, like, work expands, fills time available. And if if I look at myself, I go through periods of, you know, working. I you know, work long hours. I'm probably don't work as much as your average startup CEO. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the, the times when I am, you know, burning the candle at both ends and, and doing the long days, I'm much less effective, you know. And I feel like, if anything, it's insecurity driving that. It's like, oh, I'm not, I'm behind on this thing, so I need to like throw myself into doing like busy work, basically. Mm -hmm. And actually, when I'm at my best, which you know still isn't great, but does the job sometimes, then it's usually much more chilled, you know. And I'm, I am spending more time offline, thinking, reading, uh, reflecting. Because fundamentally, I think, you know, obviously being CEO, you've got to make a lot of decisions. You've got to kind of be there for the team, which is important. But, you know, you can you can kind of manage that in any way you want. And I think it's also about making good quality decisions mm -hmm. and quick decisions, but, but good quality decisions. And a lot of that is like 
you know, for example, if I had one really important meeting in the day, say with, with a kind of potential investor, you know, they're going to come on and, and be our kind of partner for the next year or two. I'm much better off leaving the two, three hours before that, like pretty free and just getting myself in a good headspace, you know? So I can, I can turn up to that like calm, positive and, and really hit that thing because that is the highest leverage thing I'm doing with day. Mm. And I think there's just this, there's just this kind of expectation to just like be busy all the time. And it's, I understand it and I feel it sometimes as well because like you always feel like you're behind on something as a start yeah. of the year. Like you always feel like there's something that you're not doing and, and you need to be doing. And so there is just always this pull to just get busy with stuff. But I think the the kind of insight there or the lesson that I take from that is like there is a cost to doing that. There's a cost to doing all the fucking all the sorry. No, you can swear it's fine. I swear yeah. fucking time. You know, all, all the fucking random shit. Like mm. because all the work creates more work. And and the more like not you know, not top priority stuff you get you get involved with, the more that kind of spawns other stuff. Mm. And then as a as a kind of um you know, as a worker, as a you know, CEO, I guess, I am I probably am better at delegating than at doing stuff myself. Like some CEOs are real details people and like you know very hands-on and, and great at that. Um I'm not to be honest. I'm 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 not great with the details. I'm a bit lazy with the details, quite like dyslexic in that way. Mm. Uh but I have a very easy time delegating. So I try and lean into that. So I think you've always got to lean into like what you're good at, right? Yeah. Surround myself with people who are good at the details because so much of our business and every business is is details. Uh, so I think you know, just making sure that the right people around me. But actually, I, I personally do much better um, you know, with a bit of time, and space, and and that includes going and spending green heights offline every now and then. Mm. But that that really resonates with me for a couple of reasons. So you know, you, you highlighted there something really important at the end, which is you're you're reflective and secure enough in yourself to acknowledge your shortcomings. Which I think is an incredibly important thing to do. I mean, in general, as an adult, I think that's an incredibly important thing to do. But definitely in in the context of wanting to, you know, to to lead a team or lead a group of individuals in whatever capacity, and especially at the level of wanting to found and and lead a startup, because of for that exact reason, like you know, you're able to delegate to the individuals that have the skills that you're lacking, as opposed to trying to do it all badly. You know, like, and that's a really really important thing that. You know, we you know if you're doing it, it's quite easy, I think, to take that for granted. Uh, the, uh, like how many other people don't have the ability to to see that in themselves. Like mm, I'm not actually that good at that, you know, and just and put that out there and say I need I need to bring people in that are to fill in that gap. That, that I mean, that's the number one observation I, I had from what you just said. But the other thing as well was just this this idea of prioritization because it's really hard because like you said, you you want to you feel like you should be busy because of it's the counter way of it's the counter to procrastination right to a lot of people i think yeah. of like okay well if i if i'm working on that project at least if i'm moving the needle on it a little bit and that one a little bit then then i'm not at least procrastinating i'm not leaving it but you're absolutely right and i do this too by the way there's plenty of time like today actually this morning i had two hours in the morning free because i knew i had some really important work to do yeah. um later on in the morning i'm like no i'm, I'm not going to be in the right headspace especially as i'm still a bit ill you know, so you're absolutely right, but but I think it's very easy to fall in that trap, and I've certainly, on certain times, fallen into that. So, I mean, what what do you think is a good way? Like, how do you assess your tasks, your projects throughout the week, the month, whatever, and come to the conclusion that one is higher priority than the other? That you need to maybe take some time before, and so how do you make that 
decision or is it is it something a little bit more instinctive that you don't really find yourself actually working to figure out yeah so i think the, the key is giving yourself the space to think about it right because like if, if there's mm. no space at all uh then it's, it's you we do just get swept along with everything yeah. and i think a good exercise for me is if i have a to-do list and i'm feeling a bit overwhelmed with it which i wish i do at times for sure then it's useful to not start with the list but just put the whole list aside and be like okay what is actually the big thing right now what what, sh you know, what is my big role for this company right now mm. and just start there and like okay it's, it's this you know we need to uh you know go and find our next sites for example and then it's like okay what needs to happen next for that right and just start there you know because because mm -hmm. there is just this massive that you know people people have frameworks and, and so on for dealing with that I, i'm not really a kind of particularly structured or, or frameworky worker but i think it, you know i'm very much a big believer in just back of envelope you, you can you can kind of jot most things out and, and just simple you know just just like mm -hmm. put everything aside you know, sometimes you can just rip up your to-do list and the important things will resurface and uh yeah and just start with like well, what is actually essential here you know because 95 mm. percent of what we do is, it's just a waste of time i really, it's really got, it goes back to what you said earlier about moving things out actually can yeah. sometimes you know decluttering defragging you know yeah 100 percent. Mm. and i think it's like asking better questions as well like spend a lot of time interest introspecting about like, what is actually my role here you know so like yeah. again you can get just caught up in stuff and then you can neglect what's really important, which is like managing, you know, supporting the, the people in the team or clarity on where we're going or keeping the company solvent. You know, like mm. there are some very big things and it's different per CEO per company. But there's some very big things that are super important and it's easy just to get like swept away and the other stuff at the detriment of the big things. And it's also different year to year, right? Because if, you know, I assume um, maybe incorrectly, but I would assume that you're, the way that you view your role now as CEO of the company in year one and uh, now is very different from what it probably was in year one to some degree, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I still, I still feel a bit silly calling myself a CEO because it's, uh, you know, we're like, yeah, likewise. Yeah. So it changes all the time, right? I think labels can be dangerous as well. Because if you're, if you're asking yourself like, oh, what should I be doing as a CEO, then it's a bit dangerous because I oh, will CEOs do this, this, this. Right. It's not like, what should I Hector? Be doing right now for unplugged um so so yeah i think i think that's, really, that's a really good way of asking that question i think you, you nailed that there yeah yeah because it's so like you know i think titles can can just kind of confuse uh, mm. everyone in the team and it's like especially for people as well i think it could be confusing for people in the team given their title it's like well this is my title but you know i've kind of got this thing on my plate now and so i, I think mm just just making sure that's really clear and like people feel empowered to um not be too constrained by that is important but uh, it's tricky you know you have a lot of people people getting confused stuff's gonna go wrong like that's that's the nature of it yeah and everyone works slightly differently right there are those individuals who really like that clarity and, and to have a lane and so on but but the thing the reality as well is which is why startups are not for everyone um is that you generally you're generally a generalist specialist i like to yeah. term it as in startups everyone has to um pitch in and help in fields that maybe aren't theirs and it's only really in the corporate world that you get oh not my job you know not in my job description kind of kind of thing and and, and there yeah. is there is 
some there is a place for that too where you know that things need to go through a very specific channel in order to get done in a very specific way in order for a well-oiled machine to function which kind of makes me want to ask you actually about the startup you were working in before it, it sounds like it got to quite a scale at some point is that is that why based on what you said about how you like to work is that why that there was also that feeling that you weren't in the right place because it had got to a fairly corporate place where the culture had changed significantly and now things were becoming a little bit too monotonous and no it was actually kind of the opposite where it was it was chaos and uh, i think it was just like i so i spent a year doing sales and i spent a year running product and i spent a year running growth and mm. i was not very good at any of those roles like, all right again like the doing i just i don't know like you were failing I'm, failing upwards failing upwards yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So there was always a bit of that, like, you know, I, I don't know if this is me, that feeling. I really enjoyed the like startup environment, loved working with all the people I was working with there. Uh, it was super exciting, it was a lot of fun. And um, I liked just like the kind of being in that environment, mm. but I just didn't feel like, you know, I wanted to be a, a growth person, whatever it is. We were also, so, so around the time, actually two days after I got back from my silent retreat, the company went through a massive restructuring. So we, uh, we're trying to raise a Series A that fell through for various reasons, mm. and that night we closed the US and Australian office, got rid of part of the company. So okay. I stayed on, but uh, was running growth at the time. So we kind of you know, what was marketing spend? Well, we tried to figure out what to do next, and, and mm. so it was quite opportune moment. Then had the conversation with Ben. It was like, well, I may as well move on now. Like they're just companies on different trajectories. They actually kept it going. Uh, the, the CEO stayed on. Other two founders left, and he got it to profitability over the next two years and, and sold it to Revolut. So good good result in the end. Yeah. But I think the chapter I was in failed really for what we were trying to do. We we're trying to do this international expansion. Mm. Yeah. I obviously played a big part in that. I was head of growth the last year. So we had a very dramatically stopped growing. So I, I don't think that was a wild success by me, but you learn a lot from the failures. So yeah. Learn a huge yeah. amount from from that company, and 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 you know that's when you're when you're the head of a department like that, which I have been too. It's not you know you, you only have a certain amount of control over the outcomes as well. Like there's a lot of external forces at play there, yeah, um, to, sure. to, to, to achieve the success, yeah. you know, whether that's external or internal. So, so yeah, I wouldn't beat yourself up too much about. It. <laughs> yeah, I had time to reflect, but there's also a, <laughs> yeah. lot, of, a lot of things that writing was on the wall early you know like we, we got mm -hmm. some things wrong early like uh had a lot of tech debt so the product wasn't great and we and the culture was was in a bad place there was right. a, a kind of moment in time probably about a year after i joined when the culture just kind of flipped we, right. we never recovered it after that and just lost that like psychological safety i think once that's gone it's very hard to get back mm -hmm. so so yeah it's you know it was i think writing was on the wall and, and they needed that kind of clean clean start it's amazing. People bang on about culture in startups all the time. And I think the vast majority of people who bang on about it have absolutely no idea how to actually um, either improve it or prevent it from turning sour in the first place. It's a very, it's a minefield of, of yeah, unless you're in it, it's very hard to explain how you got to that point, right? You could probably, I'm sure if we sat down and we had longer, you could probably pick apart all the different decisions that were made that maybe led up to, or at least in your perspective. But it's so, so unique and different from, it's almost like a fingerprint for each company that, uh, you know, I don't, I don't believe in the frameworks around, you know, how to do yeah. that. I think, you know, the, the, the number one thing is just that it needs to be good people hiring yeah. good people. Like, you know what I mean? Like good human beings getting on with other good human beings. The moment that, that you know, ego and, and bad intentions start coming to the mix, then you're doomed. And that's a really hard thing to do because people are diverse in a whole variety of ways. You can't mitigate 
against arsehole-ism, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah, Patrick Collison, the uh, CEO of Stripe, has a, a good framework, which is something like that, which is hack culture by hiring people who are already happy to start with, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but one way I kind of loosely think, like to think about that is that uh, a company, so where does, what's the etymology of the, the word company? It comes from the Latin companeo or something, which means to break bread with each other. So a company is mm. literally just people you break bread with. And I think just thinking about that, like what is a company really? It's just a, it's just a group of people They're working towards a common objective and whatever else you want to define it. But fundamentally it's that. And I think it's mm. easy when you start talking about culture and all of these things and you know, how do we how do we get a great culture? You, you lose track of, it is just, we are a group of people. How do we get on well and work well together? Mm. Uh, and it starts to go down this, you know, this kind of thing around hierarchies and all of these frameworks, et cetera. And, and again, you do just lose sight of it. So I think going back to first principles and just thinking about, okay, like what is the objective here? You know, it's literally just a, how can we just like be nice to each other, be kind and you know, work yeah. well together and support each other, I think is, is key as well. Yeah, but it's, it's tough as well because I'm very much in the middle, like I am with most things about this sort of, you know, um, like, like, for example, I spoke on, on a recent, and I've talked about this in other capacities too, but I spoke on a recent, recent podcast about the fact that I really dislike, to, you know, the, the, uh, the, the phrase of a family being, you know, pushed on a company. I think it's a really bad idea because they're very different dynamics and it also sets up poor expectations. Or, you know, we, you know, that's a whole thing. But, like, there is an element where, you know, you do want to ensure that there is, a, you know, certain elements of, of, like you said, the breaking bread side of things within a group of people being being distinctly aware of the dynamics of human beings as they interact in a group right this is the sociological you know uh, yeah. connotations of that and like being aware of it and being uh, cognizant of that but then equally it's a company and the goal of the company is to make money and if you need to put in specific dynamics in order to make that clear that success is you know this is how we are measuring success and this is how we measure failure and if you are not consistently striving for success there have to be consequences like those two ideologies seem like dynamically opposed to one another but they have to exist together like you know because you need one for the for the good culture and, and the spirit in order to achieve the other you know, and you need the, you know, so it's, it's, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm very, as you can tell, I'm, you know, it's a bit of, I, I believe in, you know, that two things can contradict one another and still result in a, in a decent outcome. And I think that's a really good example of that. Like, you do need to have these two things. Someone, you know, like almost good cop, bad cop. You need to have, yeah, you know, sure. that, I, I don't know. Do you agree with that? Or do you think it's a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think it's incredibly nuanced. And I actually think it depends a lot on who's running the company. And fundamentally, mm. like, that's where the culture comes from. And I think, you know, for example, I think a very high pressure, high standards, uh, you know, everyone's expected to work 100 hour weeks. I think it can work, you know, for sure. It's, it's not yeah. like, obviously, you see Elon Musk companies like, you know, obviously, and it seems like the, the companies that really, really go on to massive heights, they, they seem to have that, whether that's causation or correlation, I'm, I'm not sure. There are lots of ways to run a company. And I think, mm. you know, those kind of very intense CEOs like work well in those circumstances um, and then I think you know people have a choice like I think when people join Tesla they know that's what they're getting in for right, and right. I think, uh, but you know for me for example it's very different to my personality for better or worse so I would do a rubbish job at running a company like that mm. so I kind of have to lean into my strengths and you know and, and Ben's you know, us as a kind of founding team and then obviously yeah, it's you at the start but as you start to bring people like everyone everyone you add uh, is then a part of, of setting that culture uh, and so I think I think companies emerge like that. And so I, I don't think there is a right answer. And I think the yeah. more you can kind of lean into, you know, it's why values, I think values, 
are a bit of a cliche and, and potentially uh, again just just sounds just sound cliche basically but uh you know done well i think it is a great thing to do because again you you are really just trying to actually figure out what's going on here and like what direction you want to take it mm -hmm. uh, and i think as long as you're yeah, as long as you're being intentional about it just like no because you know it's so hard anyway like hiring choosing people like adding people into this this company that i think as long as you like understand the trade-offs you're making i think that's it i think like you know a, a, the old startup a couple of hires like really change the culture in, in a certain way and like may, maybe uh maybe you know maybe kind of brought it down to some extent and i think that just wasn't something we considered you know? yeah and so i think it's yeah. like understanding the trade-offs you're making and like what to optimize for you know because yeah. you know, do you get the do you get the kind of incredibly bright star who, who's going to pollute the pool to some extent you know it's a, which is I, very I very common know. yeah exactly exactly yeah 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 it's a it's a complex topic for sure but um so so what's next for for you and, and unplug then you meant you you alluded to the fact that you've got different locations on the on the roadmap as it were which is really exciting but what else, you know anything else anything else you can you can reveal about what you're you're planning and what the next big milestones are for sure. So yeah, just spread out across the UK. Uh, again, it's really just kind of developing the concept as well, like listening to people who come and stay. Like, how can we make this something people come and do every every six to twelve months? So yeah, yeah, I think just developing developing what we've got at the moment, uh, and also yeah, it feels like again we're super early in, in something that's only going to grow. So I think it's also just just kind of setting up for the long term and asking ourselves like, what does this look like in 10, 15, 20 years? Yeah. I think that is when we got into this, it was very much, oh, you know, just startup mentality. We'll do this for seven or eight years and then probably sell it. And I think actually recently we started to ask ourselves the question. It's like, what, what if we asked to do in 20 years? You know, what would that look like? Mm. Just change the decisions you make. Um, so not, not too much like a reveal today, but working on some super interesting things in the background. So uh, yeah, watch the space. A mobile cabin <laughs> comes and picks you up. Yeah. Drives you off into the middle of nowhere, parks up. Love it. But fully automated. Yeah. No yeah. need to actually drive it. <laughs> be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That, that's space. a free, we'll free idea. Point. We'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll call yeah. that one Merlin. Yeah, call that one Merlin. No, call that one Greg. Uh, Greg. We call it Cabin Merlin. He's a dog. Yeah. Fuck him. Like, that's, that's my idea. I'm like, okay, yeah. deserve credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cool. But so it's on the website, it says a three night detox. So is that the minimum amount of time? It has to be three nights, is it? always three nights yeah always three nights. with four nights as well but the reason behind that is when you get off your phone it takes about a day for the mind to settle down so the first day you're actually a bit more anxious right so what we don't want is people coming for one night and you know and feeling you, like shit and yeah, saying, yeah exactly. this was terrible yeah yeah it just doesn't do it so really want to and again it's just that thing of like initially people are like oh, i can't go and take three nights off but you can mm. you know and so yeah. it was actually definitely a bit of a challenge in the early days we stuck to our guns and, and now kind of 90 plus percent occupancy and because uh, people see like their friends do it, someone else do it, and it's like, well, maybe I can spend three nights offline. And then you go do it, and you're like, oh, obviously I can spend three nights offline. Yeah. So I think, yeah, really want to focus on what is the best uh, for the experience. And so if anything works very much with longer at the time, I'd love to do a seven night experience, maybe with a more remote cabin, you know? So, so mm -hmm. I think there'll be some interesting things we can do there. But it's, yeah, it's really working out like what, how can we actually help people? Because, uh, you know, some of the stories we hear, like there are, you know, is very transformative for a lot of people and so i think it's really optimizing for that rather than what's going to yeah, have the highest conversion rate mm. 
Mm. And and do you have any sort of because um, I, I haven't properly sort of trawled through your website, so maybe you do. But do you, if you don't, what would you say? Uh, if you don't have any sort of resources on this, what would you say to like people to prepare for a, a, a stay in one of the cabins? Like, is there you know not not only from like the practicalities, like presumably you know you need to bring your own food and all that kind of stuff, so more of the practical side of things, but also like how to you know is there anything that you can do to prepare to abandon your phone for like three three days? Like you know, is there a way of maybe getting used to it in increments or something like that? Yeah, for sure. So I think there's a couple of things. Is the you know getting used to it course i think everything helps right if you if you put your phone in the drawer for half an hour or, or go for a walk and leave your phone at home that all helps i think yeah not 100 percent necessary but definitely encourage people to do that if uh if you know if they so wish but the, the big thing is just make sure you you kind of given yourself the space to do it so set expectations tell your mom tell your work tell your friends tell your family because mm. you know and really give yourself permission to take those those three nights off because you know, there's the temptation to be like, oh yeah, but I'll just check. Like, it's gonna get that work email on the Friday, so I'll just like check that. And it's like, just, just don't. Honestly, everything will be fine. Like, mm. the world will keep spinning, and you know, everyone will will manage with you offline for three nights. So, so yeah, I suppose some some preparations could be just get your your professional and personal life in order to a point where you don't feel the need to check anything. So if someone says I'm gonna send you that email yeah, exactly. on Friday, say no, don't send it to me on Friday. I'm not going to be around to take it, send it to me on the, the Monday or something like I suppose just get your schedule in a way that you have the space to do this without, you know. Yeah, just, just make sure everyone knows, like, you know, they send it to you on Friday, but like, make mm. sure they know that they don't get a response or not. Like, you know, who cares? It's, 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 I think <laughs> you definitely want to just disappear. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I, I don't think you believe <laughs> yeah. in that. Like, you know, yeah. They can check the where is my phone app type thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It'll be in the cabin. So. <laughs> But yeah, I think we should disrupt this uh, expectation to always be online. You know, yeah, like, it, 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 uh, I think it does hold us back. So it's a great excuse to do that. If, if nothing else, you know, you can set you out of office, so you're unplugged, and uh, then then people can't hound you. It's almost like people feel. Um, I get this sense in a way, and, and and I may even be guilty of this, which is why I have this sense. But that if you're not online, you almost disappear right that, that your relevancy kind of goes away a little bit you know i don't think you even need to be a celebrity to feel that it's, it's something yeah. that like relevancy is something we prescribe predominantly to like celebrities i think even as individuals you know even in a professional capacity like a lot of people i know they say if i'm not posting on linkedin regularly i feel like i'm losing my professional momentum or like whatever i'm not keeping up with my friends like you know do, you know things like that and that's quite a difficult I mean, it's an odd situation for us to all collectively be in, first of all. Like, we have to acknowledge that. That's really weird yeah. um, that, that, that we value that in any way. But then, you know, second to then do something about that and just be like, I don't need that. You know? Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think the big fallacy here that we all are guilty of is just this, like, we're just, people just are not thinking about us as much as we think they are. You know, everyone's yeah. just worried about themselves. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I, I'm a, again, I'm a real people pleaser, so... It like hurts me just to you know have all these WhatsApps and emails I haven't responded to, and like a little bit of me is like, oh no, I'm you know this person's going to be wondering where I am, and then if I send an email and no one replies, you forget about it straight away, and it's the same thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm busy worrying about all this all this shit over here, and I think you know we we, we just feel like everyone is thinking about us the whole time, and they're just mm -hmm. not. You know? Everyone is just worrying about their own shit, and there's maybe some passive fleeting thought. So. It's super tricky, definitely something I suffer from. But yeah, you, you just need to work the muscle, you know? Go offline, go and spend three nights offline. What you'll realize is that no one really cared. 
Yeah, you're not the main character. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> chill. And it's funny because what you've described there is pretty much the the the, the antidote to um, to anxiety, right? Yeah. Is that idea that actually you're not as important in, you know, especially in social anxiety, you're not actually as important in other people's lives as you think. Just think about your own life and the way that you view others. And you're exactly right. It's that perspective shift that can make you realize that. And um, yeah, obviously, I mean, important in the way that you've put it. Like, yes, you can be loved by someone and cared for, but not to the to the same extent of anxiety and worry that yeah, that we prescribe to it. You're absolutely right. That's a very healthy way of looking at that, for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think I think sometimes have that conversation with people like people do see it as a negative that no one cares but i actually think it's super positive i think it's very empowering like mm -hmm. if no one cares and no one's thinking about you then you are free to do whatever you want and yeah that really was a realization for me i, I think but it's more it's more like it's not that no one cares about you it's just that no one cares that you haven't done that thing yeah, yeah like exactly. you're, still, you're still on people's minds like you know yeah I, like, like you say if i'm in that position where where i've messaged someone or, or and they haven't got back to me or something like, like yeah occasionally it'll pop into my mind oh, i wonder how they're doing i haven't heard them for a while but the, the idea isn't oh they're they're an asshole or you know whatever like and you know it's not i think we for for ourselves we assume the best of the people around us but then we think that everyone around us is assuming the worst about us and that's a really backwards way of thinking it's like just assume the best and they assume that they're thinking the best you know yeah, doesn't mean they don't yeah. care about you you know yeah it's a lovely way to put it yeah well we, it's, it's easy to fall in that trap though isn't it i mean and, and it's funny we, i was literally talking about this in the last episode with someone as well yeah we are we are animals that are biologically inclined to a negative way of, of perceiving the world sure. it's a survival instinct it's a really important part of us that that's very difficult to override and that that permeates everything we do so it's a really conscious decision to do something like this to be like it's okay <laughs> just yeah. chill like i'm still relevant i'm i know i'm still loved you know I think so. that's such a the risk of repeating two episodes in a row. I think it's such an important framework or useful framework of like, you know, fundamentally we haven't changed much since hunter gatherer days, yeah. and now we're just in this drastically different environment. So no wonder life is hard, you know. No wonder yeah. that you know that it's a struggle to keep fit and you know maintain all these relationships and you know, all of these things because we're not built to do that. So I think no. we are biochemically you know, engineered to be running around. Yeah in forests hunting things down killing them with our bare hands like and having you know what i mean and having these you know like our physiology physiologically we've we've changed a lot yeah and so we we no longer have that but 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 you know yeah uh biochemically in our brains we still have all of those traits so it's it's yeah so it's a real and then like you said our environment we've now changed that as well so yeah it's this real battle um there isn't it well it's the jekyll and hyde thing i guess you know Hundred percent, and I think it's just you know being kind to yourself. Of like it is mm. hard, and just yeah, okay. Because as you said, there is just like a lot of our suffering doesn't come from what we do. It comes from our judgment on ourselves due to what we do. So like if something goes wrong, then there's that kind of self-criticism, and I think just quieting that voice uh, goes a long way towards yeah, freeing us up for other things. Mm. Yeah, but you know, easier said than done. I mean, especially if you're you're trapped in that. Um, Way of doing things for a very long time it's um it is very hard to do it's hard to be nice to yourself it's yeah. very hard you know um and especially for individuals who may not have experienced it from others too which you know we have to remember that there are unfortunately a lot of people out there who have not experienced it from others so you don't almost don't know where to begin yeah you know sure. to do that um so yeah so but i think a great way to start is this, this sort of thing is uh, you know even if it's maybe not jumping straight in a deep end to go to something like what you do in uncapped at least um at least taking some steps to 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 put the phone away which is a 
it can be, even though I'm a huge proponent of technology and a big supporter of it, there of course are negatives to it and they can definitely feed into that that sort of way of thinking in a negative way. So a good step to that is, yeah, lock it away in a drawer for an hour and you'll probably feel a lot better than perusing the, the toxicity that can be on a lot of platforms, you know. Yeah, it, it gives you space in that yeah. when you're just like not present, head down to the phone or whatever it is, then like that's when stress stress and anxiety just like builds and you know you don't really have the same time to process it like when you get mm. online you kind of can start to process it can start to process life and as you say for a lot of people you know there's a lot of deep-rooted stuff and it's it's not just a case of getting your phone away but that is a step in the right direction you know and it's all about just making those little steps and just just starting to send that momentum in a different direction mm. um, yeah, no, I think it's also a really important lesson for like how we turn up for others in the world. Like, I think there's so much judgment of others and criticism, and like, you know, we get angry because like someone at work said this or did this, and everyone's going through their own shit, you know. And like, mm. you, just don't, you also just don't know what people are going through. Yeah, like, a lot of bad behavior. For a start, a lot of it is just like ignorance rather than um, rather than particularly yeah. trying to again assume the best, behavior. right? Like, yeah, assume, exactly. a, a lot of people do stupid and horrible things not because they're they're horrible people, but because they. But yeah, like you said, it's just case when they, when they do things because they're being mean or nasty or whatever it is, like mm. that comes from a place of suffering. That comes from a place of like trauma themselves. Yeah. So I think yeah. it's just like cutting even those people are break, you know, mm. and like for your own sake, making peace with that of like, because I think so much of our suffering comes from stuff we feel is out of our control. You know, it's like we are angry at this person because they did this. It's just like making peace with that. No judgment. Yeah. I'm a big believer in just like, so don't judge others judge action you can if someone does something terrible you can judge that thing mm. that was a terrible thing to do but like, you just you just don't know what got that person there yeah uh, and we you know we think we can read their mind and it's like oh they did this because of that and i would never do that you know you, you haven't lived, lived life in their shoes so i think um yeah definitely well, and, and, and you can't control someone else's behavior i think it's important to to try and uh, take the the philosophy of of, of, of if you are going to be anxious and stressed about anything in your life be stressed and anxious about the things in which you have control over you yes. know and we don't have control over the behavior of others or the outcomes of things that happen outside of our control that happen in the world etc so you know if you're going to spend any energy on something you know in your brain uh to try and solve a problem make it about you make it about the things that that you have control over and mm -hmm. and and i think a big part of that to sort of tie this very very directly into what you do and why it really appeals to me is because i believe one of the most underrated things for a human being to partake in is um is is quiet contemplation you know is silence silence and being still are hugely hugely underrated like things to partaking in life i think because I mean, when when is the last time most of us just sat and and were in a quiet space and and actually were alone with our thoughts? We seem terrified at the prospect of doing that, and we'll do everything to to avoid doing that <laughs> a large amount of time because we know it will end up in a whole whirlwind of of, of situations. But that's super healthy. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think again we we are built to do that. You know, we're not built to be stimulated all day long. It's kind of like uh, you know why fasting is good for the body, right? Because yeah. when you fast your body kicks into systems that operate in that environment the way we're just eating all the time there's just is like cellular cleanup so it's like autophagy uh, and and those are things that we are designed to have we're designed to go through these these periods of um you know of fasting fasted state absence yeah yeah and it's the same with the minds like when mm. 
you sat sit there and you're not stimulated then the mind starts to do interesting things you know your, your mind wanders and there's something called diffuse thinking which is rather than thinking focusing on something as a spotlight as murder in the background uh, yeah. you can start to create these um neural connections and w w we just go through life just never letting that happen it's like if you just ate all the time it's mm. really bad for your body because you just don't let these systems play and you know we're picking up our phones first thing in the morning most people and you're just on it all day it's always mm. like it's a, they say it takes 15 minutes to regain your composure regain your focus after you get distracted most of us are distracted all day you know it's mm. never more than 15 minutes right and that does some pretty profound things to the mind and again as you said like we'll adjust as a species and you know, perhaps that is just the kind of next evolution for humanity uh but it does mean that it's even more valuable as you say just just to go and spend some time in silence and solitude and see what happens yeah because i think it, it, it's counter to to um enabling a human being to develop the capacity for critical thinking essentially sure. like if you don't have if you don't have a habit of contemplation of thinking through especially being introspective in in that time like you said and not not concerning yourself with the actions of others um as much as your own like you could be in an altercation and, and, and a person who is introspective and 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 you know has the capacity for critical thinking will spend more time on how they were in an altercation or an argument or a debate or whatever um in terms of how can i you know do better next time not making themselves feel bad about oh i wasn't very good i should have said this i should have said that not not thinking i should have done this and, and just you know sort of wallowing in what could have been but instead thinking next time i should take this approach next time i shouldn't have said that you know and, and i think that's that's really important and that's just one example but like i think that can happen across all aspects of your life you know whether it's sitting down about and just thinking about the situation in your career for example you might be unhappy in your job but so many people are and this happens with a lot of people and, well, yourself, right? You know, as as the, the prime yeah. example of like you're very unhappy, but because you're so distracted throughout your 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 life um, with completely innate things that you're you're doing pretty much it on purpose to avoid having to confront the fact that you're unhappy, and and coming up with a solution, which is hard. It's a hard thing to do to sit there and come up with a solution, and oftentimes the solution is the simplest: just quit. Right, <laughs> but it, it it takes a lot to see that, doesn't it? You know, and 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 maybe put together. Well, how do I do that practically? You know, what would the steps be to pay the bills? You know, would my my loved ones support me with that? And just thinking it through. But you can't do that unless you have the space to do it, right? And you need to give sure. yourself the space to do it. So yeah, yeah, you need good. to unplug. It's a muscle. You do. That's the that's the. Hey, you see what I did there. <laughs> the way I brought that oh, all around. Also, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, look, we're coming to the end, and this is the prop. This is the thing, man. Like with one-hour sessions, like <laughs> yeah, seriously, like yeah. I feel like we're getting started. So we'll have to do another one. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and especially when I'm feeling a little bit more because I, I am still bunged up, and I can feel my brain is going like only about forty percent. You know, the oh, rate normally well, does. I'm <laughs> very excited to see what the other sixty percent is because. So, uh, but yeah, look before before we wrap up and I let you go, if you don't mind, like just the last couple of minutes. Um, you know, uh, what what advice would you give to any, because a lot of people will listen to this and founders themselves or, or, or wanting to become founders and investors and so on. So what advice, if any, would you give, you know, some quick fire stuff uh, to those either looking to get going or have just started their journey as a founder or CEO? Yeah, I think one of the things we touched on earlier is like, you know, I think there's so much worry of like what we should be doing and just, just, just don't worry too much about that because no one knows what they're doing. Everyone's making it up. And also just like lean into you right like lean into what makes you a great 
founder CEO because we all have our superpowers. Mm. Everyone is going to be wildly different in the role. And the other thing I'll say is just like, I would optimize for things that give you energy, you know, because it really is a marathon. It's a marathon and a sprint, but, uh, mm. you know, it's about the, the more you can hack yourself. I think the biggest risk for any company is the founder's psychology. And like, you know, it's, it's tough and you know, a lot of people burn out and, and, uh, and obviously that you, you can't keep going as a company then and you, you need to go and do something else. So it, it's about giving, to give yourself the best chance of success, to get yourself right, you know, focus on yourself uh, and everything else will come. Maybe you can get yourself in a good place mentally, then the right actions are, are much more likely to follow. I agree. So um, what I'm take from that is that the best advice you give to CEOs is they should unplug once in a while. <laughs> once a month. Yeah, once a month. One of our cabins once a month. That's, that's my yeah. Advice. Is there like a subscription people can do so they can do it like once yeah, a yeah, month? Yeah, we have a, we have a subscription. So uh, yeah. Brilliant. There you go. Nice little plug there right at the end. <laughs> but no, yeah, great, great advice. And, and, and I think you phrased it really well earlier when you talked about, you know, instead of thinking about what should I be doing as a CEO, think about what should I be doing as an individual who is leading this particular company? Like sure. that's a very specific way of looking at what should I be doing? And I think that's great advice. So, so yeah. Well, I'll let you go. I know, you're, I know you're super busy. You've got a lot going what, on. Possible, but, what, would, what would your piece of advice be? What would my piece of advice be? Uh, to listen yeah. to, to you. <laughs> To be honest, I, I, I agree with all of the advice that everyone's given at the end of the, sure. these these episodes. And like it would be it would probably be my advice would be go and listen to every episode and skip right to the end and listen to the pieces of advice they're given because they're like they are, they are all fantastic. And, you know, I suppose they all for me come down to one very simple thing, which is about finding balance. That's how I tie all of them together. It's about balance. Do things that yeah, that the way out um, over time, um, which is kind of like the underlying theme between all of them. But yeah, that would be what I would say. Listen to all of everyone else's advice, because, you know, just like everyone else, I, you know, I haven't really got any fucking idea what I'm doing. So <laughs> they listen to me. <laughs> so yeah, listen Very to the exactly. pros. <laughs> well, a lot of fun and yeah very, very keen for, for part two whenever yeah we will definitely happen. definitely and yeah it'd be great to hear you know about what what's been going on and and, and i wish you every success it, you know it's it's great to see it's doing well and it's growing from, going from strength to strength and so i'll you know as i have been i'll be cheering you guys on from sidelines and i'll be booking in soon for my own detox as well so for sure man and congrats on uh, uh congrats on closing off season one excited for many more seasons to come thank you appreciate it yeah thanks for being my season finale um so yeah have a great week and uh, we'll catch up soon, yeah? Great stuff, man. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching and or listening. Please like, subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.